Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Ahí va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Ophil. Marca Mesut Ophil. Bellerín, qué golazo. Magnífico. Gol. ¡Qué golazo de Bellerín! ¡Gol del Arsenal! ¡Gran gol de Bellerín 1-0! This is Arscast Extra. Welcome to another Arscast Extra. As always with Jeff, I mean James, from Gunnerblog. Good morning, Jeff, James. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well, very flattered by the comparison there to Jeff, the greatest footballer of all time. Yeah, well, it was only because of the J in the name and not because of your footballing ability. Let's not get carried away. Okay, fair yeah. play. Look, I don't want to, you know, don't want you to get your hopes up or anything. No, no, no. You're right to cast aspersions. <laughs> uh, you're in Edinburgh? I'm not. So you're not? I, no, I'm really stupid is one of the conclusions here. Okay. Um Last week, I said I would be in Edinburgh for the Emirates Cup. I also thought I'd be in Edinburgh for the Community Shield. I was wrong. Basically, the, the fact that they've moved the season has really thrown me. It feels like everything's coming very early. Do you know what I mean? I, I do, yeah. I mean, it does feel very early. Like, we've we've hardly had any break, and next week is the Community Shield, and the week after, the the season begins. So, yeah. And these, the, tell you what, the Edinburgh Fringe Festival have not helped me. They've foxed me. Because not only has the season moved earlier, Edinburgh has moved later. So my kind of internal calendar is all over the place. So I am still in London, but was not at the Emirates Cup this weekend. Well, well. Disaster. It looks like you missed out on some, some good stuff. There was. Uh, did, you, did you see stuff? Did you see highlights? I've seen extended highlights of both games. So, yeah, some great stuff. Mm. Well, we'll touch on all that stuff then, I guess, because it, uh, it's a, a positive weekend from a footballing point of view. Another mm-hmm. trophy. The preseason treble is well and truly on. It's it on. on. It is on. We've got the big, the big one coming up, though, I think. I don't know. I think, I think we're escalating in terms of trophy size throughout preseason. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's true, because you have the Barclays Asia Tic Tac Weedabix Trophy in Singapore, and then the mm-hmm. Emirates Cup, and now then the Community Shield, which of course takes on momentous proportions, uh, even though it is essentially just a glorified friendly, but one, I guess, that people will use to draw conclusions and markers about where we are in the season, because you say, well, look, we uh, people. I saw people actually um, complaining about the, the quality of the opposition, this weekend in, in the Emirates Cup, which I the, thought was, was a bit the, strange. Complaining about the quality. Well, just saying that, well, look, it's only Leon, it's only Wolfsburg. You can't really draw any conclusions from that. But look, Leon are a fantastic side who finished second in League 1 last Wolfsburg, season. Uh, I believe finished second in the Bundesliga. Yeah, and they've got some, you know, some very good players and the greatest striker that ever lived. He's looking well, isn't he, Nick? He's... 
He's been enjoying himself. Yeah, a bit of a bit of a pantomime reception and uh, and and exit he got yesterday. Uh, some booze and stuff when he uh, when he got his first few touches, and then towards the end when he was coming off some some reasonably reasonably generous applause, you might say. Yeah, and I think I saw some quotes from him saying that he kind of enjoyed the reception. Number three, that was a bit of a strange one. It is a bit odd, isn't it, for a striker? But he's always been unconventional. Fifty-two was pretty odd. Does that mean that he's earning three pounds a week at Wolfsburg? Is that the conclusion that we can draw from this? I think it does, and yet they're still trying to get shot of him. Um, so yeah, good to see him. I, I thought the quality of the opposition, like certainly going into the tournament, was really impressive. You know, there was some that Leon team is full of players that we've either been linked with at one point or that some people would like us to sign. So I don't think we can complain too much about that. And Wolfsburg yeah. have got some great players too. Yeah, and they did they did cause us some problems in the uh, in the opening half an hour of, of that game yesterday. But let's go back then to, to Saturday, the game against Leon, like you say, um full of full of guys that we've been linked with and, and full of well not full, but there are some players on that side that people would like us to buy, like Azette, for example. Mm. He was there. He was playing. He had some shots. Yeah, but it wasn't really his day, was it? It was all about it was all about our our play going forward, which was I thought scintillating at times. Scintillating is a great word, and we blitzed them. We just sort of took them apart in a ten minute spell in the in the uh, towards the end of the first half, um, and they were sort of all over the place after that, as you would expect. Four goals in ten minutes, nine minutes. It might well have been Olivier Giroud doing a great Murtasacker impression. Shouldering yes. the ball in, could have been more goals as well, wasn't there? One disallowed as well amidst all the, all the. Uh, I think Iwobi put one in that was offside. That's right, yeah. But yeah, there was. What did you have a favourite goal? Did I have a favourite goal? I really liked Oxley Chamberlain's goal because um, I think that's the kind of stuff that we really want to see from him this mm. season. I thought it was just really interesting the way Ramsey played the ball into Giroud. He held it up doing the Giroud stuff and his ball uh, into the path of Oxley chamberlain who'd made a run from deep and into the box before finishing was was perfect. He looked particularly strong this weekend, Alex Oxley chamberlain He looks like a guy who really wants to make up for for all the football that he missed last season. Strong as an ox, you might say. I think he, um, yeah, I think it's a big year for him. I, mean, we, I feel like we've said that the last couple of years. And last season, he started very well. Mm. And it's easy to forget, was in the first 11 for four months or something like that before falling away with injury. But I do think there's a massive opportunity for him. And with Alexis missing the start of the season, I think it makes him pretty much a guaranteed starter, starter in those opening weeks. So mm. we're desperate to take advantage of that. It'd be interesting. Where, where do you think, is he going to start on the right-hand side and the manager will look perhaps to use Theo Walcott from the left-hand side? Is that the way you would see it going? I don't know. It's interesting, isn't it? Because Arsene was talking about the possibility of playing Theo on the left yesterday after the game. I think it will be those two, which way round it goes, I don't know. Oxley chamberlain I do think, looks slightly more comfortable on the right. And I think in the long term, he's got the best chance of holding down that position. So maybe it makes sense to start him there. Mm. Mm. Um, I really liked Aaron Ramsey's goal, I have to say. That pass from Ozil was sublime. Yeah, it was delicious, wasn't it? Yeah. Just just waited, waited, waited. It wasn't even that Ramsey's run was particularly... wasn't like a wall-cut sprint. It was just kind of a steady run into that area. And uh, the weight of the pass was just fantastic. I thought uh, Ozil showed some great stuff over the weekend too. Yeah, a really good finish from him as well. And um, we've seen a couple of those in pre-season. And I do hope that that's a sign of things to come because I think if you play in that number 10 role behind the striker, you, 
you know, I think there is an obligation to contribute some goals. I'm not. No one's mm. asking him to become a, a 20 goal a season man, but if he could reach double figures, that would make a massive difference. You know, in terms of his uh, general overall contribution. Yeah, I mean, interesting. The manager was talking about how he wanted to add extra goals to the side, mm. um, and uh, the the way he wanted to do that. There's a couple of ways. Obviously, you could go out and buy another player who could add more goals to your t- team. But he was looking at Sandy Cazorla, Mesut Ozil, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, Theo Walcott, uh, Aaron Ramsey, goals from midfield. And we saw that in the game against Leon. Oxlade-Chamberlain on the score sheet, Ozil on the score sheet. Cazorla, what a, what a fantastic little free kick that was. Mm, yeah, that was very smart. Um, I really enjoyed that. Ramsey obviously scored. Ramsey a provider as well for Iwobi. Um, who, who finished very well for, for Arsenal's third. So you're looking at exploiting those areas and whoever you play in those areas being able to, to chip in. It was also interesting to hear Arsene Wenger talk after the, the, the two games over the weekend. He said, look, we could be a bit more efficient with our finishing. You know, hmm. And we scored seven goals in, in two games. Yeah, I'd like to see that. Um, no, I think it's really encouraging. And I think... I've mentioned it already, but especially with Alexis missing the start of the season, there were times last year when we were so reliant on him on the on the attacking front. And it feels like we've got, I don't know, a, a lot more players coming into form at this time. There's a lot more variety to what we do going forward. So uh, I think we should be able to cover for his absence pretty mm. effectively, it seems. What, what did you make of Theo Walcott at, at centre-forward? He scored, obviously, against Wolfsburg, a, a nice finish. Uh, played him very well by the Jeff. Mm. The Jeff. Jeff himself. Yeah, but um, Walcott, as a centre forward, what's your general feeling on it? Even leaving this weekend aside, is he a real option there? Or is it a way of trying to get him into the team? Because other options on the right-hand side, like Oxlade-Chamberlain, and on the left-hand side, Alexis... Um, might be might be you know causing him to to have uh, fewer opportunities than he might. Well, I, I think I can tell what you think from the phrasing of the question. <laughs> no, no. Well, I mean, I just think that Oxley Chamberlain is a guy who's going to play from the right hand side quite a lot, and I yeah, think there I is there is clamour for us to have a different option at centre forward, and Walcott definitely provides that option. Uh, when you compare him to Olivier Giroud, two very different players, he's more mobile and, and makes uh, more darting runs than Giroud, but Giroud, obviously, we, we know the qualities that he has. But, uh, you know, he hasn't played there very often, and there were times yesterday where physically he was um, finding it a little bit tough, and there was one, I can't remember who played the ball over the top to him, it could have been Aaron Ramsey, and he was clean through on goal, but his his touches in front of goal saw the chance go begging. So maybe that's to, to do with preseason um, uh, and not being quite as sharp as you would like. But I, I remain slightly unconvinced by him as a centre forward. I think that's fair. I, I think it's not surprising either, because as you say, I think at competitive senior level, how many games has he played there? Probably you can count them on two hands. And I think that, inevitably he's still learning the ropes in that position what what I would say and Walcott's not so much his defence but to put forward his cases and to forward his I really I really enjoyed the way he took the goal he scored against Wolfsburg like, yeah. it was a very smart finish you know one of those where he, he barely looked up just sort of poked it past the keeper he took it very coolly indeed uh, finished very well against Everton earlier in pre-season two 
I think you're right. He probably should have had another couple of goals uh, against Wolfsburg. And he let himself down a little bit in terms of his decision-making or his, his touch. But I do think that's also testament to the quality of his movement. And Arsene Wenger you know, doesn't give praise too lightly. And he speaks in very, very high terms of Walcott's movement. And I do think that he's got a... Uh, it's, it's partly just his pure speed. But I do think that the way he pulls defenders out of position is very effective. I think he can be a very good option there. So what what teams do? What sort of teams do you play him against in that position? <laughs> well, That's the question. Because, I mean, can you play him against uh, a Terry and Cahill, for example? I'm not sure. See, in, instinctively, in my head, immediately I go to weaker teams. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if that's just because that's where we've seen it be more effective against the likes of West Brom and Aston Villa at the back end of last season. But I, I do feel that they're in sides with defensive weaknesses. You know, you think back to that Arsenal-Galatasaray game last season in which Danny Welbeck absolutely destroyed them. I think Theo Walcott probably would have got two hat-tricks that night. Um, but what he would do against a sturdier defence, who are more physical in their approach remains to be seen. I really don't know, and I'd be mm. less confident about his ability to thrive in, in those circumstances. Yeah, but I mean, is that in itself a bad thing then, that you have this option against so-called weaker teams that you can use in order to keep somebody like Giroud? Let's assume, let's assume we go into the season with Giroud as our, our typical centre-forward option. Um, mm. There has been a sense that when he's at his best, it also seems to tally with him not being tired. Or does that make sense? You know what I mean? He had this tremendous run after he came back from injury last season and went on a great run. And then after a while, when he became a bit, the the physical side of the game caught up with him a bit, his goal scoring dropped off. That was also true the season before last, if you remember when Walcott was out injured and Giroud was essentially the only option we had at centre forward that again some of his effectiveness was blunted simply because he was playing all the games all the time and I think uh, suffered physically for that. So is that a way for the manager to get the best out of Giroud um, to keep him relatively fresh by using Walcott against teams that you would be confident he could score against? I think so, yeah. It's kind of a... I think it's great to have the option. It's kind of a Swiss Army knife approach to the central (laughs) centre-forwards situation. I think that... Giroud does seem to get a bit fatigued. I think there has been a huge onus on him. And I think the fact that we've got a player like Walcott who can rotate in Mm. is a good thing. And I also think, let's not forget Danny Welbeck. I mean, I saw Tim Stillman wrote an interesting column. I think it, I don't think it was for Arsblog, maybe for another website about how he th- he, he still. Th- I know, I know, I know <laughs> the, the traitor. Um, he who still he still thinks that Danny Welbeck could be the kind of ideal composite because. That's the thing about Julian Walcott. They're kind of extremes on a spectrum in terms of what a centre-forward can offer. Uh, but Danny Welbeck is a player who kind of sits fairly neatly between the two. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of role he can play as well once he gets back from this injury, which does seem to have spun and spun on. Yeah, the, the, should we be a little bit worried about that? Because it's gone from the end of last season where he might have been involved in the FA Cup final and then, no, he's not. And now he's he's not even taking part in training. The manager has said that he's still carrying this knock from from uh, the, the the end of last season. So maybe a little bit um, a little bit of uh, caution there. Yeah, it's a bit retro Arsenal, isn't it? The yeah. other three three weeks into three months, uh, a little bit of caution there. And I think, as I say, given given the depth that we have in attacking areas, I don't think they'll be rushing him back. But once he does come back, it'll be interesting to see if he can play a part as a central striker or if he'll be 
confined to the wings once again. Yeah, I mean that really is a it's, it's a consideration, isn't it? When you when you think about what we might do in the transfer market, and and the manager has been quite. I don't know how you would describe it exactly, but he the other day he was asked about you know transfers and he's saying, well, look, you know, we've scored six goals in in one game. We don't have Alexis. We don't have Danny Welbeck. And that's his usual sort of patter that, look, look, we've done this and we don't have this. Look at all the potential that we already have. But he made the point that, look, we're still active on the market. We're looking for the opportunity. But if you are looking at a center forward, genuinely, mm. it means that one of the crop that you've got has got to uh, is going to be completely um, outcast in a way. Like you, if you buy a Benzema who's going to play as a centre forward, that means either Giroud is never going to play, or or Welbeck is hardly ever going to play. And you create a situation there where that player who's left on the sidelines is going to want to play somewhere or is going to be unhappy. So you're looking at the whole squad harmony kind of thing. It's just a simple numbers thing, isn't it? You can't have that many centre forwards. No, and you know, look at the ones we've got. Danny Welbeck signed for the club a year ago. Uh, Olivier Giroud agreed new contract relatively recently. And Theo Walcott seems to be on the verge of doing so. Mm. So it's not easy to say who you'd get shot of in that situation and how you would manage it. I suppose the only thing that Arsene might think is that, well, Welbeck and Walcott can play wide, but those areas are very congested at the moment, so there's absolutely no guarantee they get game time there either. Yeah, I mean, I think he also wants to make sure that he's got space for Oxlade-Chamberlain in the squad. You've got Alexis on on the left-hand side. Jeff, let's not forget Jeff. Yeah, hang on, let's not forget Jeff because, you know... My name is Jeff. Yeah. (laughs) Um... So, yeah, I mean, I think those are those are considerations when it comes to, to transfers. So could you see a situation where the manager is as ruthless as he has been with Chesney, for example, in the sense that he's gone out and bought check and let Chesney go on loan? Um, uh, could he do that with one of the one of the forwards? It's very difficult to see him do it with Giroud or Welbeck, particularly given Welbeck was only signed 12 months ago. You know, the only way I could really see another forward coming in is if Walcott doesn't agree a new deal. Well, that's it. I don't. I don't think. I don't think he'd be quick to jettison Welbeck. I think he's a very useful player to have in the squad, and I think Arsenal appreciates what he offers in terms of versatility of the of the strikers we have. If there was a game where we were looking to go somewhere and protect a lead, I think you know that's kind of not a great compliment for a forward. But mm. I do think he he offers a lot in that respect. So. I don't know. I think if Walcott is going to sign a new deal, it's difficult to see the space for another attacker, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Just, you know, when you look at it from, um, not not from what you might want to happen, but what's likely to happen when a football club is in that situation with mm. the players that it has, I think it's um, I think it's very unlikely that another forward will come in. And I think when he talks about wanting more goals in the side, I think he wants them from the players that he's already got. I mean, I don't think it's unreasonable to think that Santi Cazorla could could get close to double figures. The same with Oxlade-Chamberlain. Walcott, he should be scoring at least 10 goals. Danny Welbeck, Olivier Giroud, Alexis, Mesut Ozil, Aaron Ramsey. You know, there's pl- potential for goals there. You're not even talking about uh, Jack Wilshire. Who's, no. who's you know been scoring a few uh, recently? Uh, the, the goals that come from your defenders, your centre halves, um, from set pieces, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I think Jeff, obviously, Jeff will chip in. My name is Jeff. Yeah, I think he will. 
I think he will. Um, so, yeah, it's it's difficult to see how that's going to go, but you just don't know, you know what will happen between now and the end of the transfer window and who might become available. Mm. Mm. So, um, Emirates Cup then, uh, a positive... Uh, weekend overall because it does keep this sort of momentum going and you know there is a danger of course of getting too carried away with with preseason uh, and the results that you get but you'd much rather be winning these games in the way that we're winning them rather than sort of trying to figure out well that went wrong that we've got to fix that we've got to look at this you know two clean sheets yeah look I, I think and us with a completely different back four across both days yeah yeah uh, Chambers and Gabrielle played at centre-half. I think that that feels really positive. That feels like we've got some depth in that position. And I'm glad that it seems a decision's been made that that's where Chambers is going to be predominantly next yeah. year. And I think that's certainly for the best. Yeah, I do too. I was a little I was a little bit surprised that he didn't he didn't experiment with, with a couple of different combinations because he knows what, what Kasielny and Mertesacker can do. So I thought he might do Mertesacker and... And uh, and Gabrielle, for example, and, and Chambers and Koscielny. But look, he obviously he obviously had his reasons um, for for doing it the way that that he did it. it maybe you know, in, in the very long term, Gabrielle and Chambers could be you know the the, the two established first uh, choice centre halves in a, in a couple of years' time because they're both around the same age. No, well, they're not. Gabrielle's a bit older; he's twenty four, and Chambers yeah. is a, a lot younger, obviously. But yeah, I mean, th- that's perhaps the future to a certain extent. Yeah, it certainly could be. Why not? Mm. Uh, and Petr Cech, of course, uh, made his Emirates Stadium debut. Well, his Emirates Stadium debut as an Arsenal player. Let's say yes, yes, he's been there before. He has been there before, but we don't really talk about that. No, his career. no, no. I don't think it ever happened. No, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, seemed to seem to do all right. Made a couple of good saves, uh, good distribution. Um, and, he uh, he yeah. can kick it further than a spinner. Well, this is this is true. This is true. But again, you know, that's not the the most difficult thing in the world. No, perhaps not. No, uh, Ospina then. Definitely staying, it would seem, because Wojciech Szczesny posted on his Instagram account a message in Italian to the Roma to the Roma fans. Said, "Hi there, Roma fans. I'm on my way to Rome. I'm very happy, and uh, we're going to do some football stuff and that." Is what I'm he sure said. He is happy. Rome's a nice place to live, I imagine. Mm. What What do you make of all that? Then I have to say that's really caught me off guard. That's not how I expected it to go. No, me neither. But I have a question about it, so I'm gonna I'm gonna wait until the second half of the uh, of the podcast to uh, to to talk about that in more detail. But to it deal looks with like the issue at hand. To deal with the Chesney thing. It's definitely happening. But look, the Emirates Cup as well is a great chance for for youngsters uh, to stake their claim. Um, and obviously, the one who did that was uh, was the Jeff. The Jeffster. Yeah, I think. Great name, isn't it, Jeff? I think it's up there. It's like the Brazilian Fred or whatever, or Bob or Rudolph or whatever they're all called now. Mm. I think Jeff... Like they're running out of good names, though, the Brazilians. You know you when think? there's a guy called Fred? Come on. That's no, not, I, it's not quite Socrates, is it? I find the incongruity of that funny, and I feel the same about Jeff. To me, to me Jeff's a very banal name, and that now we've got this very exciting youngster with it. Yeah. It's brilliant. The I think we should. I think, yeah, I think we should just call him The Jeff. Just to sort of separate him from the other Jeffs, like Jeff Shreves from Sky, Jeff yeah. Capes, former yeah. strongman. Good point. Who else? What other Jeff, Jeffs are Jeff there? Jeff Buckley. Jeff, well, he's dead. 
Right. So mm. confusion unlikely. Yeah. Um, the I think just the Jeff. Why not? Why not? I, I mean, think Jeff. Uh, uh, it's great, wasn't it? Mm. He was very promising, and uh, some of the stuff that uh, that he did was obviously that of a seventeen-year-old player. And we have to look at it from the context that look, he's just been told go out there, have a good time. You know, you're under no pressure. There's no expectations. But um, he showed some very nice touches, some very, very good, uh, yeah, quick feet, good skills. Overplayed it a little, although not as much as Chuba Akpom. I thought Chuba was trying a little too hard at times. Yeah, he he seems desperate to make an impression, doesn't he? And it's not always working to his benefit. No, it's not. I mean, there was that moment late in the Wolfsburg game where he was sort of clean through and all he needed to do was play a pass out to the right-hand side. And I think it was Ramsey or Oxlade. Yeah, I think Ramsey uh, would have been through on goal, but um, he sort of messed it up. And I think that's why, you know, he needs a loan. That's why he needs to go out and, and play on a regular basis. Uh, but, you know, our Capital One Cup side this season could be really, really tasty. Uh, the Jeff, Alex Iwobi, who else would we have? Dan Crowley in there? Isaac Hayden, I think. Isaac Hayden. Actually, he, he looked pretty good as well, didn't he? He came on in midfield a couple of times. And is that yeah. an interesting thing? Is I it? it? I think it could be. I think it could be. He's always He's played there, I think, for the senior team before. But I do think he's a good option. He's certainly a physical option. Mm-hmm. He's a big, strong boy, is Isaac. So, yeah, no, I'd like to see a bit more of him there. So he, maybe he'd be involved in the Capital One Cup team. If he's around, uh, Emmy Martinez, who I think had a really good year last year on loan at Rotherham, but he yeah. may go out on loan again. Yeah. Um, i trying to think if there's anyone we're missing. Well, there's, there's Zalalem, there's uh, Bielik, you know, these kind of exciting players that, that people want to see. Uh, but again, you know, we're we're looking at these young players, and um, I think because we know so much about them these days, we have really perhaps expectations that are a little bit too high for them. You know. Well, also the thing worth saying about the Capital One Cup team is that given the number of players in the first team squad, if they remain fit, I think a lot of those players will be requiring game time. Then, mm. so it won't it won't particularly be easy. You know, if you take somebody like a Tube Rackpom, let's say he doesn't go out on loan. When the Capital One Cup rolls around, Osamega is probably as likely to think he's got to give Danny Welbeck a game as a striker. Yeah. So, and I think that that exists all over the pitch. So it will be tough for them to to make the breakthrough. Mm. Anyway, we shall see. So look, overall, uh, a very positive weekend, and uh, we we can spend the week now doing a bit of fitness, getting ready for for the Community Shield next next Sunday. Mm. And presumably, we've got some sort of parade plan for this week as well with the Emirates Cup and the Asia Trophy I hope yeah of course get course. down to that yeah. and yeah the Community Shield I mean that's how do you feel do you care about that not really like no. I mean no I mean I'd like us to win it obviously um, and I think uh, I think it's in a way it's kind of important that we that we perform well maybe get a result against Chelsea that you know the season doesn't kick off with uh a performance or 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 a result that people might feel is uh, debilitating in any way you know this whole chelsea Mourinho, wenger thing obviously um it's a record that needs to be broken but ultimately it is just a glorified friendly and i'd i'd rather take points off chelsea in the league than win the community shield if that makes sense certainly me too yeah now if you offer me 
you know, you can win the Community Shield or you can win the league game a few weeks later. There's no doubt in my mind. Yeah. Um, but it would be, it will be a good marker of, of where we are and where the squad is and where the team is. And I think what we'll, we'll see on Sunday is perhaps, uh, the first real hint of how Arsene Wenger sees his team lining up. You know, obviously Alexis won't be there. That's something he's going to have to cover and that might influence his team selection in a certain way. But, you know, for the rest, we're going to see him play primarily his his first choice players. And at the moment, we don't really know where uh, or who they are in every position. No, and that will be fascinating to see because there are question marks. We talked about the the Walcott-Oxlade-Chamberlain situation on the flanks. I think in central midfield as well, there's a lot of options Mm. there. And, you know... We'll see. We'll see. It'll be fascinating to see. And who goes with that front as well with Giroud and Walcott. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll, uh, obviously discuss that next Monday on next week's show. But now we're going to take a short break. We'll be back with your questions in part two after this. My name is Jeff. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Welcome back to the Arscast Extra. This is the second part of the show where we answer the questions that you sent to us on Twitter at Gunnarblog and at Arsblog. James, I'm going to go first. Oh, okay. Coming Very assumptive of you. Well, I let you go first the last couple of weeks, so I think okay. it's only fair. All right, justice is done. Yes. So this is a question in kind of two parts, because it's uh, two questions, essentially. The first part comes from James Dahl, James Dahl ESPN, at James mm-hmm. Dahl ESPN. He says, do you think it's telling, Reshezny, that Wenger has spoken of Czech helping the defense to be calmer and more confident? All right. So that's mm-hmm. the first part. And the second part comes from Michael at Euler 56 and he wants to know, this is quite blunt. Is the Rome alone the end of Chesney at Arsenal? Michael doesn't mess around, does he? Not at all. He calls it like it is. I think that the calmness thing is definitely a factor. I think that's something we said throughout last season, really. You know, even when I think we both expressed some doubts about David Espina as the number one, I do think that one of his major qualities was an almost eerie sense of calm that he brought to the goalkeeping position. Mm. And I think that the back four seemed very settled with him there. And they, although he could have moments of being a a touch erratic, it was nothing like what Chesney offered uh, in terms of his propensity to produce the odd drag back or nerve stopping moment. And I think even just a sort of, I don't know, I think it's a personality thing as much as anything else. And Czech is very measured, super experienced, and I think will bring 
a sort of tranquility to proceedings, we hope. Yeah. As for Chesney and if this is the end, I don't know. As I, as I said earlier, I'm really surprised at the way it's gone. It, everything seems to be indicating that it would be a Spino who'd be leaving. Even he, the player himself, was quoted talking about Everton and potentially moving to Turkey. And then all of a sudden... It's Wojciech who's out the door, on loan, admittedly, but depending on who you believe, with an option to buy. So, I don't know, was John Jensen right all along? Was that was that smoking incident really the end for Chesney? And was it, was it game over from that day on? Um, difficult to say, because I'd like to believe that it's kind of like a Courtois situation where... You know, he'll go on loan, have a few great years, and then come back and mm. displace Czech. You know, he'll, he could emulate Courtois in that respect. But, but Courtois was younger and hadn't played for Chelsea, really. Exactly, exactly. Didn't that have is, nearly 200 games under his belt for, for one club before being shipped out on loan. Well, that's it. So that is the big difference. And yeah. I feel like, I, I do, it, it might be hard to see Chesney coming back from here. I think it, I think it could well be the end. And that's a bit of a shame because I still think he's a goalkeeper of great potential. Um, what do you... Come on then, what do you make of the whole situation? I think, you know, when a guy plays 180-something games for a club and then loses his place and is then loaned out, I think it's only going one way, to be perfectly honest. And I think it's... I agree, I think it's a shame. I like Chesney. I like the connection that he has with the club. You know, he's he's uh, he's been there since 15... He does have, you know, an Arsenal heart, so to speak. Um, you know, he's always been good for a laugh. Uh, and I think perhaps the, the failings that he's had over the last 12 months have been over-exaggerated. Uh, you know, he's been made out to be something that he's not. You know, his uh, his general performances and time, you know, at the club has been very positive, I think. Uh, but he did lose his way, and that's entirely down to him. You know, mm. he's he's been the master of his own downfall at Arsenal with his behaviour and and by not being able to to be consistent in his performances. Um, you know, I think some of that was down to the team itself last season was was a bit ramshackle. You know, in the first half of the season, and he was the one who paid the price for that. But look, you know, when you do what he did and you you smoke in the showers and, and all that kind of stuff, um, you just can't be uh, surprised that things go badly for you. Um, whether or not he can come back, I doubt it. To be honest, I doubt it. I'd like to think he could, and we've seen with Cockerland that it can happen. But it would be a big, big surprise to me if he if he ever uh, came back to Arsenal and and regained his place as as the number one goalkeeper. Well, barring uh, an unexpectedly swift decline, I think Czech, given the money that he's on, is going to be number one for I don't know three three years minimum, isn't mm, it? You'd, you'd yeah. imagine. So Chesney's got a lot of time biding to do if he wants to challenge for that number one spot in the longer term. Um, I, I think that the loan move is is kind of a, a step towards the exit door. Yeah. Um, which surprises me and disappoints me to an extent, but it's it's difficult to see any other outcome, I'd say now. Yeah. Uh, should we have another question? Sure. Do you... Oh, no, let's just return to the first part of that. Do you think that the, the calmness or Chesney's lack of it has been a big factor in, in contributing to this outcome? Um, I don't know if it's that so much as 
the opportunity came along to get a goalkeeper of huge experience. Mm. Um, you know, the, there's a lot to be said for having experienced players in your squad. It's why I think, you know, while I understand people have their worries about Arteta, I still think having players like that in your squad and in your team is really, really helpful. Um, and we do t- we do seem to have an excellent balance right now between experience and uh, up-and-coming potential and also some established young players, you know, guys like Ramsey, Wilshire, Oxlade-Chamberlain, uh, Danny Welbeck, uh, Kieran Gibbs, you know, Bellerin, these kind of guys who have now sort of made the breakthrough. And the what's the word? The combination of experience, potential, that sort of mid-level uh, player in terms of where they are in their careers and their ages. I think it's a it's probably the best it's been for a long time. And I think when the manager looked at the goalkeeping situation, like you say, Ospina had this eerie cam, but it was kind of eerie, all right. Like if his head had rotated <laughs> 360 degrees or something on his head at one point, you'd just be like, okay, yeah. I see how that goes. Uh, I, I think it, I think it had more to do with Czech's availability than Chesney's lack of cam. But obviously, what 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 Czech brings is that experience, been there, seen that, done it all, you know, um, and can sort of add that to the back four, which which seems to have it already. So that's a, I think that was it more than anything else. Okay. Well, you mentioned Arteta there, so I'm going to try and sort of segue into this question, which is a transfer question because. Who doesn't love transfers? And it's uh, John, at John P. Penny. Uh, and he asks, do you think that backup for Cochlear should now be a higher priority than a centre-forward? Um, well, we touched on the centre-forward thing in the first part of the show mm. and why we think that probably won't happen. And I think that the manager is looking at Mikel Arteta as the backup for, for Cochlear. Maybe if a better option comes along, then he'll do that. But yeah, I think he's I think he's going to go with Arteta, and I do think perhaps some of the the criticism that Arteta gets is over the top. I think it's um, I think he's still a very good player. If you're looking for him to be a dynamo charging around the pitch, then that's not going to happen. But I still think he can contribute. Categorizing him as some kind of has been is 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 way too soon. I don't think the club would have offered him a new deal if they had those kind of concerns over his fitness and ability to, to contribute over the course think, of the season. Do you think the fact that he missed so much of last season has led a little bit to people maybe forgetting some of the positive things that he offers? Absolutely, yeah. I, and, the, the of course, the fact that he missed so much of the season will lead people to say, well, look, he can't stay fit and he's not a reliable option. But, you know, for the most part, in in the years that he's uh, been at the club, when did he join? 2011? Yeah. He's had the odd little injury spell here and there, but, you know, he's played 40-odd games, 50 games a season for us. You know, so he has been consistently fit. And last season was the exception rather than the rule. Now, I mean, I'd share some concerns about, about that um, because he is 33, and he's not getting any younger, but I, you know, I don't think 33 for a player who's in that position, who, uh, who can read the game very well, uh, who can still make good tackles, um, who can distribute the ball very well. I think we saw that yesterday that it was his pass to to the Jeff 
that saw the Jeff play the ball to walk up for the goal, you know. So um, I, I think he's a better player than people give him credit for, and I think there's a tendency to to conflate the idea that, okay, we want this new defensive midfielder, therefore we've got to write off our Arteta as well, you know. Does that yeah, make sense? Certainly. It does make lots of sense. And do you think the sale, the potential sale of Mathieu Flamini, which looks like could be on the cards, um, will have any impact on Arsenal's thinking about bringing people in? Or do you think that he just considers Flamini expendable and that he doesn't necessarily require replacing? Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it would really depend on what sort of role he envisages, perhaps for some of the younger players in the squad. You mentioned Isaac Hayden. Perhaps mm. he could be earmarked for for uh, for that position as, as like third choice for for a defensive midfielder. I, I don't quite know. I mean, we'll have to see what's happening with Flamini. He wasn't involved in the Emirates Cup. The manager said it was because of injury, but um, from what we can gather, he's, uh, he's going to be on his way. So, you know, there's got to be some kind of contingency plan for that because Flamini was a, a squad member uh, last season, spent a lot of time on the bench, obviously, but he was there as an option. So um, if the manager is going to sell him, he must have an idea of how he's going to replace him in the squad or who could do that job, you know? Yeah, I mean, perhaps it's, you know, we talked about Callum Chambers settling at centre-half, but Flamini provides cover at holding midfield and full-back and potentially he could do that too. I don't know, it'll be interesting to see. Um, What's your I thought on Arteta? <sighs> I think that he offers an awful lot to the squad in terms of his experience. I think he's a great distributor of the ball. Um, I think there are games where he will be an ideal choice, perhaps not even to start, but to come on and help control proceedings, maybe when you're in the lead. My my only concern is that uh, Cochrane's brought so much in terms of his tenacity and the physicality he brings to the midfield. And I'm not sure Oteta has ever or would ever be able to match that so I'm not sure it's a like for like replacement mm. I suppose it's a bit like it's a bit like if you lost Giroud for an extended period of time and you had to rely on Theo Walcott there would be certain deficiencies in Walcott's game where you would you would notice that absence you know but mm. what can you do what's the you can't go and buy a clone of Cochrane that's that's not really necessarily possible or, or healthy so yeah, I think it's a difficult situation to match what I do think is that it's important to have players of that experience in the squad. I feel like it's very easy to say, let's get rid of Flamini, let's get rid of Arteta. But um, if we got to a sticky point in the situation, uh, a sticky point in the season where we showed a little bit of uh, inexperience or we were nervy, I'm sure people would be calling for some of these older heads to be around. They'd be talking about how we, we shouldn't, you know, get rid of players too early and Arsene's a fool for his contract policy. I do think that he's learned from some of the mistakes of that post-Emirates Stadium move era. And I think he sees the value in keeping guys like Arteta, keeping guys like Rizitsky, who you know, was really on the fringe of the squad last season, but I think he still considers him an important figure in the dressing room. And for me, that's as much as anything the kind of primary value of, of someone like Arteta. I had completely forgotten about Thomas Rizitsky. <laughs> yeah, Is that exactly. bad? It is bad because obviously we we love him and he's a great player, but I do think I think that says something about how how limited a role he could end up playing this mm. year. Mm. Okay. Um, um all right, another question? Another question. Okay, it's my turn. 
Oh, yeah, of course it is. Sorry. Yeah, it is, yeah. My name is Jeff. Um, okay, here we go. This is a question from... Ah, shit. I should... Uh, I should... Uh, yeah. Okay, this one comes from Sir Robbie McLeod. Mm-hmm. Uh, at Sir Lamb Shed. I don't know. But uh, basically, he wants to know, what prospect do you wish lived up to his potential but ultimately never did? Oh, this is a Jeff-related question. I don't know if it's Jeff-related at all. <laughs> um, well, it's, well, we saw Nick, Nicholas Bentner this weekend as well, let's not forget, so you can yeah. factor into that. Do I wish lived up to his potential? Like, who, who, was your, who was your favourite young player that sort of come through, got the hype, uh, and everyone went, this guy is the next whatever, and uh, but never never was the next whatever? Well, I tell you what, it, for me, it's probably a guy who actually barely figured at senior level, but every time I watched him for the youths or the reserves, he absolutely blew me away, and that was Jay Emmanuel Thomas. Yeah. Who was just way too good for that level. And unfortunately, I think he knew it. And uh, I don't think his attitude ever quite matched up to his ability. But watching him play at, you know, under 18 level or, or what have you, was a genuine joy because it's partly because physically he was so much more developed than the people around him. But he had to see technical ability too. And he could play any position, played centre-half, played left-back, holding midfield. He played as a centre-forward. And... I was convinced that if this guy could knuckle down, that he's a top-class top player. And I, do, I actually think he will end up in the Premier League. I think he's got that level of ability that if he gets his head right... I think he joined QPR this summer, so he's at championship level. Oh, has he, yeah? Yeah, he's moved from Bristol City, where he wasn't even a, a regular. I mean, he played a lot for them last season, but he was in and out of the team in League One. And he's gone, I think, on a free to QPR... As kind of a an adulterat replacement, you know, a kind of a lazy playmaker with with more ability than willingness to work. But I do think that if he can put it together, he could still be a Premier League player. So he's someone who I really, really loved and was disappointed, I think, actually, that he didn't seem to have all the attributes you need to make the grade. And I think that yeah. mental aspect is as big as any talent side, really. Mm, fair what enough. about yourself? Um... Well, uh, leaving the obvious Senderos aside. Uh, of course. <laughs> uh, for me, it was uh, Henry Lansbury. Ah. I don't know why. I just liked the look of him. Mm. I just mm. thought he looked like a good player. I liked the fact that he had an I instead of a Y at the end of his name. So you were tempted <laughs> to call him Henri in the yep. French style. And um, I don't know. That was it. I don't know. I, you know. There's no good reason against for Tottenham. it. He did score against Tottenham at White Hart Lane, no less, right? Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. I like that. Uh, but uh, aside from that, I, I don't quite know why him more than than any other. He was very well thought of, Barcelona Wenger. Definitely, he was always mm. talking him up. Uh, another one, I suppose, was in the early days. I was a big fan of Carlos Vela because I loved those chips. I could have done with seeing more of those chips. They were good. I mean, in fairness, he's gone on and he's had a he's had a good career elsewhere. Yeah, a great career, yeah, in playing, La Liga, yeah. yeah, playing for Real Sociedad, um, which is where Joel Campbell might end up. By the way, mm. um, what? Let me think of another one then. Well, we talked Van. about Lupoli a, a few weeks ago. Um, Bentner obviously is a, another one. Um, I don't know. Yeah, the Swiss centre half Sendros and Juru. It was kind of a shame that their careers didn't necessarily pan out as. 
Yeah, you remember, they might. you remember Arsene Wenger used to refer to Juru as uh, he who must not be named because he didn't want anybody sort of coming in and, and stealing him away. Um, Fran Morita, what about that? Remember that goal he scored against Liverpool? Yeah, Fran Morita. And yeah. I, think he, I think he ended up playing in the Brazilian league. Yes, he went far away. I don't know where he is now. Um, oh, wow. He's playing for a team called SD Huesca. Where are they? In the Spanish second division. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even know what part of Spain they're from. Aragon. Yeah, he's, he's back in Europe at least. So he's he's gradually making his way back to London for his glorious return to Arsenal. Yeah, he's going to out Coquelin Coquelin with his, uh, his amazing return. And look, we're still yet to see what happens to Wellington Silver. That's the big one. That's the one everyone's wondering about. Well... I don't think Wellington's going to make it. You know why? <laughs> why? My name is Jeff. I think that's why. Uh, to be fair, Wellington is is nearly as good a name as Jeff, but not quite. Mm. Right. Yeah. Okay, go on. Shall I ask you a question? Why not? Okay. Uh, okay. This is an interesting one, actually, about the midfield from Josh Benson. He's at Josh Benson 1310. And he asks, do you think... Arsene will use Ramsey as a central midfielder alongside Cazorla as the deepest pair at times this season. Say that again? Sorry, I've, I, I actually... It was my intonation. The question no, is... No, I think, just wasn't listening. <laughs> do you think the manager will use Ramsey and Cazorla as the deepest pair at times this season? So you mean like as a sort of a double pivot? Yeah, he means no cockland. Cock-free. Cock-free Arsenal. Um... That is a really good question. Uh, I, I'm, I'm struggling to see exactly how our midfield is going to line up this season because mm. there's so much talent in there and so many, so many good players. You know, you're looking at Coquelin, Cazorla, Ramsey, Wilshire, Erzul. Um Yeah, I, I don't quite know how he's going to line up this midfield, which is why I think it's why I think that. Um, the Community Shield on Sunday is going to be really interesting. Yeah. You know? So we might get an idea of the manager's intentions there, you know, by his team selection. Um, I'm not sure that he can continue, for example, playing um, Ramsey on on the right-hand side. You know, I just don't see that that's a long-term option, to be Mm. perfectly honest. Um, it was interesting, perhaps on Saturday, when you look at the uh, the team that he selected, uh, that he had Ramsey and Coquelin together in, in the central midfield role. So mm-hmm. maybe that was a, a way of taking a look at those two together. But how do you leave Cazorla out? How do you leave a player like that out of your team? Um, well, this is it. And I think against Everton and Wolfsburg, I think Cazorla has played without Coquelin, actually. So I think mm. that, I don't know, is there some sort of indication there, potentially, that that could be a way he goes, that he, that he does dispense? I can't see him dispensing with Coquelin. I think he was so integral to our our form in the second half of last season. I just can't imagine starting the next campaign mm. without him as a pivotal figure in the side. So yeah. it, it, is, it is kind of the Ramsey problem, isn't it? It's really... He's so effective and such an important player. You really do need to get him into the team. But yeah. how, how and where you do that is not not simple. No, it's not. 
It's not. Um, and I think that's going to be his biggest challenge is to find the right midfield. Maybe he might be looking at it in a way that, as we discussed earlier, um, with Walcott perhaps being a centre-forward option against so-called weaker sides, that he might tend to shift his midfield around a bit depending on who we're playing. So mm-hmm. away from home against Chelsea, for example, you're definitely going to play Coquelin. Um, as part of a, a deeper-lying midfield. But perhaps when you're playing at home against Bournemouth, for example, that you've got more scope to perhaps play Ramsey and Cazorla or Ramsey and Wilshire in that way. So it might be a case that, that he does that, but then you've got to try and try and maintain the consistency of the shape and the way that the team plays. So I don't know. I, th- I really think that's going to be his biggest challenge this season. Like, whatever about switching your centre-forward for a game you know, the, the the engine room of your team and how it lines up. Maybe you don't want to tinker with that too much. So I, I, I really don't know. What would you guess? If you, if you had to make a guess of what, what we'll see against Chelsea and what we'll see in the first few weeks of the season in the midfield, what, what would your hunch be? What would my hunch be? I think he is going to play Coquelin to provide that defensive shield. And it's either... You know, if he's going to play Oxlade-Chamberlain on the right-hand side, mm. God, I don't know. I really don't know. Like you, I think. I don't know. I, I do you I, end, do you end up pushing Ramsey? Yeah, I mean, I could roles? see him play Ramsey wide in the Community Shield. Mm. Um, While Alexis is away, certainly. Yeah. I d- I don't know. Maybe Oxlade-Chamberlain could play on the left against. Chelsea I I just don't know I mean I think we're, it'll probably emerge over the first few games what his choice is and whether or not that works remains to be seen and you may have to tinker with that so it's a really difficult one it is a difficult one but let's not forget this is Arsenal so mm. it, it's a matter of time until that choice is taken out of his hands yeah uh, touch wood but yeah so I mean, it will be really fascinating to see how that one plays out okay final it, final, final oh, sorry, question final question for you this is, comes from uh, Haroon Hickman at Haroon Hickman and he wants to know my name is Jeff or Lionel Messi for the Ballon d'Or this year yeah uh, oh, it'll be a closer on thing. I'd say maybe this year, Messi, but all other years from now until the end of time, Jeff. The Jeff. Yeah, J-Dog. The J-Dog. All right, well, look, uh, we'll leave it there for this week. Um, we will be back next Monday. Do you know Indeed. where you're going to be next Monday? Do you know which part of the world you're going to be in? Has the, so- the calendar, <laughs> you know... Next Monday is actually the day I'll be travelling to Edinburgh. So we may be recording next Monday or we may have to fudge it and do it another day. I don't know. Well, that's 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 not very easy for me to work my week around. I don't like these last-minute changes and stuff. I know, I know. Well, what I time know. are you travelling to Edinburgh? I'm not even sure. I'm not oh even sure. Oh, my God, you're so ill-prepared. We shouldn't do the admin on the podcast. I always, you know... I need to prepare this stuff. I need to look at spreadsheets and emails and... Train timetables. I need to know what I'm doing with my life. And clearly I don't. Do you know even how you're getting to Edinburgh? Are you, you train, Hitchhiking. plane? Hitchhiking. Hitchhiking. Hitchhiking and canoe. I'd like to see you on one of those, um, you know, in the old-fashioned cartoons where they get on the, the train tracks and the, the it's just like a platform and the two guys are going... Zh, 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 pushing the thing up and down. 
I'd mm. like to see you travel to Edinburgh on one of those. Yeah, with a knapsack, with just a you know a stick with a hanky attached yeah. to it, with my three possessions in it. Do you know I got turned away from a bar last night for wearing the tracksuit, the infamous tracksuit. What? <laughs> I was wearing. The, Why were you? Do you remember? Do you remember me being spotted at the Emirates Stadium I do, wearing a tracksuit? I do. It's forever implanted on my mind that that right. vision of homelessness. Yes, well, I was wearing it again yesterday. Why? Let's not go into the whys and wherefores. And Don't you have pants? I've got pants, yeah, but well, sometimes... Well, why, why don't you wear them? Sometimes I just want to be comfy. Sometimes I'm just like, oh, I can't be bothered to wear real trousers. Well, I understand that if you're around the house, but, you know, when you go out in public, you've got, a, you've got an image to uphold here. You would think, but, I mean, apparently I have no self-respect. But anyway... This this bar that I was trying to get into to see some friends, they were not having it. I had to spend about 20 minutes convincing them that this was a sartorial choice and not an emblem of my homelessness. Well, look, I, I wouldn't blame the bar for not letting you in. I don't think I'd let you in either. To your house? Well, definitely not. You don't let me in your house. That's why we have to record this over the internet. <laughs> anyway, this has taken a, a turn. But look, we will be doing a podcast next week and it probably will be out on Monday. But what time? We do not know. Did you get in in the end? I got in in the end. Don't what, worry did about. you drink some beers? I said, have you have you heard of Gunner Blog? Or <laughs> <laughs> um, you might yeah, know me for my uh, after the whistle. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is this more? Is this? Does this help? It was a good game today, and there were some goals. And they were like, oh, that's the guy. <laughs> that's we know him. him. Come yeah. on in. Drinks are yeah. on the house. Exactly. F- free baby shams all round. Exactly. All right. Well, look, uh, there'll probably probably be a podcast next week. Hopefully, of course there will. There will. will. We'll we'll figure it out offline. Uh, All right then. Until then, take it easy, and uh, we'll chat to you next week. Bye bye. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.